Okay, hope you all had a good time of uh, uh, sharing uh, um, all those reflections. Yeah, as we uh, discussed last week, you know, the purpose of, uh, you know, this Bible study is really transformation, right? Uh, we're not just here to uh, gain mere information, right? Although, I mean, it's important to understand context and things like that. So we provide that, but it's more than that. It's not even just uh, merely understanding kind of the spiritual message uh, beneath the text, although that is also important. Um, it's really, though, about uh, this word becoming flesh, right? Uh, word becoming real in your life, coming alive in, in you uh, and becoming real. That, that's really what the purpose of this TBS is, right? And uh, one way this happens is when you really reflect on and articulate, you know, the, the meaning of the scripture in your life. And that's why we do this reflection, right? It's, it's a tool, it's an exercise to help you really reflect on and articulate um, uh, what the scripture is uh, to you in your heart. And that way it becomes more real. So uh, we'll continue to do this. And um, I think this is good to do it in small groups. Uh, you know, when I was listening a bit for one of them, it's more honest sharing. So that's great. So we're going to have more discussion. Okay. Um, but just as an initial introduction too, uh, first of all, thank you for sharing all your thoughts and your questions. Uh, it was really impressive. Uh, I was uh, really happy and I was, it gave me a lot of good material uh, to uh, prepare with. Um, you know, the when, when I ask people to read 10 times, uh, it sounds a little daunting, but that's just kind of a, a figure, right? Um, the exercise of reading, right, the, the, the text and grappling with it, uh, and then sharing your thoughts and questions, uh, I liken it to, it's like preparing a soil to be planted, uh, and more specifically, tilling the soil. You guys know what tilling is? You know, um, you can do it with a machine or with a spade, you break up the soil, you know, and you mix it up. Um, oftentimes soil becomes kind of the nutrients become kind of stagnant or the soil becomes hard. Um, if it's like that and you just try to plant seeds on it, it's not really going to bear much fruit, right? Um, so in the same way, if we just kind of read this once and then just kind of discuss it, it's not the, the, the roots are not going to go as deep and there's not going to be as much fruit, uh, but, but rather when we till the soil, we're, we're breaking up the soil. In other words, um, even in our own heart and your mind, we have to kind of break the existing patterns of our thoughts. That's part of big part of Bible study, right? We all come with our preformed, pre-existing ideas, uh, ways of thinking, ways of looking at the world, thinking about me, myself. Um, but we're trying to um, till the soil to start breaking that up so that um, the word that's planted into our heart can really uh, flourish and, and grow. So the preparation part is uh, quite important. Uh, and, um, and all your responses are evidence of that. Um, the thoughts and questions that you raise are kind of actually, uh, that can be equivalent to the seeds. So by, by really thinking about uh, the, what you've read and asking questions, you're planting seeds into the soil of your heart. And then when we come together to do this Bible study, it's like, finally, we're, we're giving water to it, right? So, so that when you've done that preparation, when once we water it together, then that seed can start to like grow and, and something real can uh, come alive in you. Okay, so that's an analogy for uh, 
uh, the preparation process. All right, so having said that, uh, today I think the text is short enough, so uh, we will read this. Um, so let me just share uh, the screen. Okay, uh, it's from, I think there's, uh, there's 11 verses. So on my screen, I see here, so uh, one verse at a time. David, remember your order there, right? Then Paul, uh, Michelin, Phil, uh, Josh, Michelle, Kim, Lauren, Ryan. I don't know how many people that is, but okay. And then Ginny, okay. We'll, we'll see how far we get with that. From the inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Sorry? Oh, start with 117 here. But the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Um, you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and all your billows passed over me. And I said, I am driven away from your sight. How shall I look again upon your holy temple? The waters closed in over me, the deep surrounded me, weeds were wrapped around my head. At the root of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought me up from you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. As my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. I think it's Ginny, I guess. Oh, okay. Those who worship vain idols forsake their true loyalty. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to the fish, and it spewed Jonah out upon the dry land. All right. Okay, so... Uh, First uh, kind of a section I wanted to mention was uh, life in the boat versus uh, life in the ocean. Uh, you know, Ginny mentioned that she was a little confused at first. Uh, she thought that the prayer related to um, things that happened while in the fish. But then after she realized maybe the prayer related to what uh, he experienced in the ocean. And I think that's correct. Uh, Jonah's reflecting uh, back on what was happening um, once he um, jumped into the ocean. He's recounting his experience there. Rocky asked if um, Jonah felt more safe uh, on the boat than in the fish. And then Daniel also made a point that uh, he felt like Jonah was uh, more awake now uh, than in last week's chapter. And so uh, that's kind of got me thinking. Last week, the chapter one was really Jonah on the boat right? Um, the, the whole scene took place in the boat. And this week, uh, Jonah is, well, he's recounting his time in the ocean. He's still in the ocean while in the belly of the fish. But uh, so life in the boat and life in the ocean. So the, the first uh, uh, thing for discussion uh, that, that I have here, I'm going to, I'm going to put it in the chat box. 
um, is uh, compare life in the boat uh, with life in the ocean. What's the difference? Okay. Uh, and related to that, uh, what was Jonah? Here, I'll just copy all this all, all at once. Hey, what, what was Jonah doing in each? What's the difference in the two scenarios, right? So, so the life in the boat, life in the ocean. What was the difference with Jonah? And then what about your life? Where are you? Okay. So that's uh, one, one uh, group of questions. Okay. So, so the next uh, part is uh, in the belly of the fish. And that's the, the setting for chapter two, really, right? Uh, the whole chapter takes place while he's in the belly of the fish. Um, some interesting uh, back and forth. Uh, uh, yeah, did he pray this immediately or after? Paul, you made a, you did make a good observation. Uh, this prayer comes after three days and three nights uh, in, in the fish. Um, and I'll come back to that point much later. But if you look at the, this passage carefully, you know, verses two to six, uh, if you look at kind of the direction, it's really a downward descent, right? Uh, um, he's, he's going deeper and deeper in a descent. Um, you know, cast me into the, you cast me into the deep, right? And the waters closed in over me. And then eventually uh, by, the, by verse six, it's uh, the weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. He's, he's talking about kind of mountains that are really at the bottom of the ocean. So that's, that's at the very bottom, right? So the weeds uh, uh, at the roots of the mountains. So that's, he's talking about that's how far down of a descent he really went. Uh, um, and then Michelle had a question, right? Uh, Michelle Kim, uh, you know, when Jonah's saying you cast me into the deep, into the heart of seas, is, is he talking about the physically deep uh, water, or is he talking about something more, right? Um, uh, so let me uh, post this here. So in verse two, yeah, Jonah's cry from deep in the water, was it more than just from being deep in the water? And what was this more? Um, an interesting thing is, uh, let, me, let me see. Yeah, uh, so, so in a few areas, in verse four, during his descent, he says, then I am driven away from your sight. You know, how shall I look again upon your holy temple? Uh, if, you, if you look carefully, so the descent, I mean, is also maybe symbolic of his growing despair and hopelessness, right? But in the midst of that, he's uh, thinking of God. It's a very interesting thing, isn't it? Right? On his downwards descent or spiral, he's thinking of, of God. Uh, so in his despair is actually not his actual situation, being in the ocean. Do you get that? Like his sense of despair is not in the actual situation, but how this situation is actually driving him further away from God. It's a very uh, interesting uh, thing. He's, he's despairing that he will not be able to see God 
And when he says, uh, how shall I look upon your holy temple? Any DP were asking about this. Basically, you know, the temple was for, for the Israelites where God resides. So the fact that you can no longer see it means you can no longer see God where God resides, right? And uh, again, I think Michelle Kim had good insight, maybe uh, how the, in the belly of the fish, he came to see his predicament kind of clearly. And uh, Lisa was saying how Jonah actually maybe had a good relationship with God, even in his disobedience, right? So all of this, like, what does this say about, um, I'm going to type this here. During his descent, he thinks about God, right? What does this say about his faith? And kind of related to that then is, uh, um, he says, uh, as my life was ebbing away, right? Uh, when your life is, quote, ebbing away, what or whom do you think of? And what does this reveal to you about your faith? Okay. And then I think... Uh, Ginny and Stephanie had uh, another good question. This is, you know, if you have time, and I I'll probably address this later, but uh, what are these vain idols, right? What do people forsake? Okay. So, so these are some questions like from the belly of the fish. All right. I mean, I think I'm giving you more than enough questions that you don't have to like answer every single one point by point, but I'm just throwing these out um, to give you food for discussion. I mean, finally, um, if you have time to get here, I don't know if you will, but uh, I'll just post this here. What are some images or metaphors for the belly of the fish? You know, what do these images or metaphors say? If you are able to get to this, or if you want to tackle this, uh, use your imagination, right? Metaphors are powerful uh, ways uh, to convey deeper meaning about something right? Through like an image. It helps us grasp something more and understand more. For example, you know, in our Christian tradition, we have the concept of the Trinity, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, these are metaphors. God is not necessarily actually like a father as we know it in real human life, right? Nor is God just like a son. You know, God, isn't, God is not necessarily even a gender, right? These were metaphors created by the early church fathers using kind of the language they knew to grasp a little bit more about uh, the reality of God, okay? Right? So these are metaphors. So in the same way, are there any metaphors um, that come to your mind? Okay? I think that's about it. I think I've thrown enough at you. Uh, it's uh, any, any questions or comments? I mean, about these questions or or anything else? Okay. I think you can have some good, rich discussion. Uh, uh, those are actually a lot of questions I think. Just tackle whatever you can. Uh, uh, like I said, this is just the watering part. So whatever will really let the seeds flourish, focus on those things. And uh, let's come back at around 8.40. Okay, so half an hour. All right, so breakout rooms, do I need to do anything?
All right, good. So everyone had uh, some good discussions in your groups? Yeah, okay, uh, yeah, I hope it was good and helpful. Um, all right then, let's just get right into it. So life in the boat versus uh, life in the ocean. I'd be curious to see kind of, you know, yeah, any key insights or uh, that, that you came up with? Anyone wanna, wanna share for, for your group a little bit? How about it in, a, in the last group that came back? as a Rocky and DP and, and company. Anyone from your group? Sorry, we talked about a lot of stuff. I think that was maybe the first thing and then we kind of went on a tangent on other things. I don't, I'm kind of drawing a blank if anyone from the group wants to, uh, if they recall anything. Um, I do recall that life on the boat kind of seems safe but um but you're actually distracted from life itself um whereas life in the ocean you know it seems like death and danger but actually it's safer and you're just there with your thoughts and reflections that's what i remember mm. okay anything from any other group What about the first group, Michelle and, and company, Paul, Ryan, Lauren, Phil? I think uh, life in the boat was escape, yeah. almost like denial, um, not accepting responsibility, et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. life fish can't remember what i said hmm. but more like now he's reflecting on uh what he has to do oh i don't remember yeah that was the first thing we talked about too it's half an hour ago man <laughs> okay i guess you guys veered onto a lot of things okay no, I'm, that, that's good i mean uh that's a that's part of the purpose and ensuring your small groups, you have a lot of things, uh, but I guess in the big group, I'm just going to focus on some of the main uh, questions and points then, right? Uh, back in the ancient times, uh, the ocean was, uh, uh, I mean, right now we think of the ocean and it doesn't really strike much fear in us, right? Because we've conquered basically all of nature, but back then the ocean was like this wild, untamable kind of uh, uh, place. It was actually, it depicted um, kind of chaos and disorder, right? Uh, that's where, um, that was like the primordial kind of like before even God kind of created uh, land and everything. It was like the seas and the oceans, right? Um, so that's really the, the imagery. So um, life, whereas life on the boat, it's uh, a lot more orderly, right? It's more controlled uh, environment. Um, and... Uh, uh, so that's the main difference. I mean, Jonah, I think he knew that um, going to the ocean, he had to plunge into the chaos and disorder. And I think, uh, you know, modern life has really um, done that more and more, right? We've set up very nice, orderly, controlled lives. Um, and we don't handle, as human beings, we don't handle disorder and, uh, 
and uncertainty well. You know, and I think uh, really, if you look at the news too, we're seeing a lot of that, a lot of anxiety, right? Amidst uh, uh, this breakdown in a previously controlled and predictable orderly life, we're seeing a lot of that, uh, even these protests and, and, and all that underlying anxieties and, and, and fears. Uh, and so in many ways, uh, uh, and where's the ocean? It's almost like uh, we talked last week about uh, a unique existence, right? Unique existence is like plunging into an unknown, right? Like the unknown ocean. Uh, so, uh, but that's very, it's, it's very scary. So people prefer sleep and running away. And uh, we, we fear that ocean. Um, but if you think about it, uh, a lot of modern life, uh, we, we stay in our comfortable boats, but are we really um, like living, right? Or are we sleepwalking through life? That's a really big question for today, right? Whereas in the ocean, I think the difference was everything becomes real, right? Uh, Jonah on a boat, he could sleep through even like the big storm, but in the ocean, there's no sleeping. You're, 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 you're fighting for survival. You know, you're, you're fully awake in the ocean. So it's a lot more chaos and disorderly, but you are awake and, and you're truly living. Right. So that's like a, a big difference. Uh, you know, I see. So the question is, is um, what are we living in and how do you know whether you're living in the boat or the ocean? Right. I think that that's, a big question we need to ask ourselves okay all right so the next part uh, was you know while jonah's in the belly of the fish and the, i mean there are a lot of questions posed there maybe uh what are some just like key things that uh, struck you uh in, in your while you're talking with your groups and you want to share what struck you personally <laughs> Well, I'm not sure if this is a reflection of like Jonah's story, but it came about. <laughs> um, we, I started off the conversation a little bit more later on about how Jonah recognized who God was to to turn to Him, right? How powerful He is, and and all His might, and so forth. And the challenges or the question that came about, or the point that came about, was you know. Do we do that now? And if not, right, why is that? And I came to the conclusion, maybe by myself, but <laughs> I think it was agreed upon by our small group that maybe we don't really see God or know God the way that he intended us to know him. Right. If we knew this is the God, or we believe, sorry, that this is the God in which created all man and woman, and you know, is revered and omnipresent and so forth, would we have this nonchalant thought of Him, right? Or would we lean on Him more? Mm. And yeah, so that's mm. what came about. I see. Well, I mean, the interesting case with Jonah is that uh, I mean, he, I think he knew God. He. As some of you might have identified during the storm. He knew that this is God causing the storm. 
right? But uh, even though he knew God, he he ran away. And so I think last week we, we raised the question, I mean, how much worse is it where we don't even know God and we're running away, right? So those are two different things almost. Um, so just some points about in the belly of the fish. So, so yeah, I, he was there three days and three nights. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that, that, but still, that's a long time. And in, in the belly of the fish, he, uh, he, for that time, he was, first of all, he was all alone. No one else around him. So he was, uh, all he had was his thoughts, right? So he had some time to really think. And I think he had, he had all manner of thoughts during this time, right? And in the belly of the fish, he had nothing else to do but to truly confront his life, right? So I think that was a very important time for him. So that, that, that's one insight for us is, uh, do we even have that space and time to really confront our life, right? Um, and then uh, it was after those three days and three nights of really confronting his life that um, we read this prayer of his, right? And in the prayer, yeah, if you look at it, what he's doing at first, for the first uh, six verses or so, he's recounting what happened, right? Uh, he's going over what happened. But then it's not just going over what happened. His prayer was his understanding of what happened, right? It wasn't just about what happened. It was his understanding of what happened. So, you know, history, history is not just a, a recounting of what has happened. History is an understanding of what happened, right? What historians do is they, they connect different events together to come to an explanation uh, of why something is the way it is, right? Uh, in the same way, we do this in our own lives too right? Uh, whether you're conscious of it or not. Jonah's prayer, it reflected his understanding of what happened. And uh, I mean, DP, I think you, you asked, uh, did God cast Jonah into the ocean? Why did he do that? Well, this was Jonah's understanding of what happened. In his understanding, it was God. I mean, God finally compelled him. Like He wouldn't leave him alone. So he had no choice almost but to plunge into the ocean right? That was his understanding. And uh, um, during his downward descent and spiral, uh, his understanding or his interpretation of that was that he was being driven further away from God, right? And so what we see in Jonah is at the center of his understanding, what shapes his understanding and interpretation of everything is, is God, Uh uh, and so uh, this desire to be close to God, what we see is at his core, because the thing that caused him the greatest despair was not his actual physical descent. It was being driven further away from God. So in that sense, wow, it's pretty remarkable. Yes, he ran away, but there's this like real closeness or desire for closeness with God too. That's at his core. Um and so God was at the center of uh, his understanding. And this understanding of his past shaped his hope for the future, right? He's still in the belly of the fish, but uh, he's talking about, um, uh, about 
what God has done in, in the future, right? Uh, yeah. Rocky, you have a question? Sorry, I was just using the oh, okay, cool. reaction. But uh, no, just quickly on that, uh, for our group, at the end of our discussion, um, we were saying that, or the imagery of the fish, and it's the environment that Jonah was placed in, mm. was to, like he was in deep in prayer, was to like, what, what environment for us can we be also in deep thought and prayer with all the distractions that we have? And yeah. uh, when he was on the boat, he was asleep. Yeah. When he's in the fish, in a sense, he's, a, he's awake. Yeah. And we're always kind of sleep or numb or distractions or all these things that are going on in our lives. How can we be in a place where we are in somewhat of a belly of a fish Mm. to really reflect on that because it's it's very difficult and almost impossible to kind of get into that thinking unless we're in that environment yeah. okay why, why don't we just jump ahead to that then I, did anyone ever get to any like images or metaphors for the belly of the fish not not really right okay that's fine uh so yeah just to conclude i'll share a, a few okay and actually, I, I don't take credit for the originality of this. Like, uh, it's, it's, it's from uh, Reverend Kim or originally came up with some of these, and I just added my own tweaks. But uh, uh, first uh, metaphor or image is um, like an arc, right? Uh, uh, so some of you guys did comment, you know, the Lord provided the fish. In other words, like, yeah, the fish rescued Jonah from drowning in the ocean, right? And so in that sense, the uh, uh, belly of the fish can be seen as a refuge. Right, refuge from overwhelming uh, difficulties and, and and problems, and uh, a psalm that came to mind. You can read this on your own time. Is a Psalm one twenty one. Uh, I'll just type it in here. It's all about uh, the Lord who keeps you, right? So uh, yes, uh, God keeps us, you know, uh, from being overwhelmed by our troubles, uh, and God is our refuge. I uh, think for many people, though, is I think some of you guys identified this. For a lot of people, that's where it stops. That's all God is for them, right? So, uh, uh, God is someone just to rescue them from trouble, right? But that's not, God does that, but that's not all God is. So another metaphor or image uh, that we can think of, belly of the fish, is um, womb, right? If you really think about it, it's like he's ensconced, and it's, it's like he's in a womb. Right, but what happens in a womb? What's happening? Uh, new life is being created inside of a womb, right? And uh, I mean, that's when you really look at it. Uh, he's saying, uh, "I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever." So, like, he went to the bottom and to to death, basically, to the land of death. Um, yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. So, from death, he's almost been brought back up to life right uh so so that metaphor uh it's almost like we're thrown into the ocean and uh, uh our well-ordered uh, uh well built up life that gets broken down and uh, we are recreated as a new person right and that's what was happening to jonah here too his old life was being broken down and he was being formed anew um, and there's, uh, I mean, this is the core of the Christian message too, right? Uh, um, 
we 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 die and we rise again with Christ, you know. Um, and I think uh, when we think about calling, then that's essentially what our calling is: is is to become born as a new person, right? Uh, all the time. And Saint Paul discovered that when he said, "Behold, I am a new creation," right? So uh, becoming that new person that that's uh, in inside of a womb. That's another great metaphor for belly of the fish. Uh, and then third one, and I think this is perhaps maybe the most powerful one, right? Is uh, uh, image or metaphor of a sanctuary, right? Because while he's still in the belly of the fish, in still in the ocean, what do you see Jonah do here, especially towards the end? Um, these are really words of worship, right? As my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple, right? So D, uh, DP asked, uh, what's the temple, right? I mean, the temple, yeah, so our sanctuary, I realize it's, it's not just a nice, quiet place that we, we constructed to go and worship God, you know, on Sunday, whatever. I mean, of course, there's a place for that, but um, Jonah is essentially worshiping inside the belly of the fish the belly of the fish is a sanctuary and where is he doing it it's in the middle of the ocean it's not in a well in his well-constructed life on the boat it's in the middle of this chaotic disordered uncertain ocean right and if you when you look at his prayer here it's like his worship was most real and so I realized our worship is most real in the context of our immediate struggles, our chaos, and our confusion in life, right? Often fear paralyzes that. It makes us sleep and run away. But instead, what we should be doing in these moments is worshiping, right? Verse 9 says, uh, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. So thanksgiving first of all so giving thanksgiving i realize when you're in your own ocean in the midst of uncertainty or difficulty or struggle what we should be doing is giving thanksgiving sounds kind of crazy right when you're going through a really hard time give thanksgiving it's very contradictory but that's worship and then sacrifice to you sacrifice meaning giving up his life to God. That's what he's saying. In the midst of the storm, this uncontrollable ocean, he's giving his life to God. Right? So in the midst of our own fear and uncertainty, we give thanks to God and we give our lives to God. And so I think, uh, uh, and that's true worship. I think David uh, was asking that question. How do we um, like remember God? How do we know God? Uh, how do we always have God there? I think the answer is by worshiping at all times, right? I think that's what's, that's the secret that St. Paul discovered too. In 1 Thessalonians, uh, uh, the last chapter, he writes, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Worshiping at all times. And so it's not just it's not necessarily secluding yourself in a physical space. It could be that, but it's whatever circumstance you're in, give thanks 
and, and worship at that time, at that moment, every moment, right? And finally, he says, deliverance belongs to the Lord. Those are his final words. And it's almost like this final act rests with God. God will deliver. So I just leave all of that in God's hands. So that, that's hope. So prayer, I think uh, someone asked, uh, what is prayer then? I think from this, at least, prayer is our true worship in the belly of the fish in the ocean. Right? So yeah, so um, maybe to conclude, what I wanted to do was, uh, uh, I wanted to play actually a song. Uh, and you guys can, I mean, you know, with your own mics muted, sing along or, and just kind of like, let, let today's uh, thing sink in, right? We, we've done a lot of watering and let's see what kind of seeds are kind of germinating in your own heart, right? So let me, uh... oh, share sound too, right? Yeah. All right. Okay. Can you guys hear? Oh. Sorry, did it stop? Oh. You're not sharing your screen, though. Oh. Okay, sorry. What's going on here? One of your many tabs you have open. <laughs> no, no, no. Now you can see it? Yeah, yeah, we can see it now.
Okay, hopefully that was uh, uh, hopefully that was helpful. Okay, so um, that said, we'll let everyone go soon. So next week we'll do chapter three. Uh, let's yeah, really prepare uh, prepare the soil of our hearts. Okay, reading it a lot and uh, sharing your thoughts and questions just like you did for today.